Of course, we're transitioning from a passage that talked about the Pharaoh and Musa salam to a passage that says, you know, Allah's creative power, talks about Allah's creative power. The thing is, there is always a profound connection for, but it becomes manifest if you reflect. Here, what we're looking at is Allah, you know, talking about how the Pharaoh, why the Pharaoh thought he was the supreme God. He thought it was a supreme God because he didn't think anybody could build like he does. Anybody had massive empire like he did. And so before we get into this passage, I'd like to give you a little bit of a quick synopsis history of how the Pharaoh came into power. There are lots of theories on it. I'll share with you what I find uh, a very convincing. So originally the Pharaohs were multiple kingdoms. They weren't one kingdom, they were multiple Pharaohs, multiple kingdoms along the river, okay? And there were maybe 14 of these kingdoms. And they all had minimal power, because each of them had some territory, and they did trade with each other, etc. And of course, all of them had some part of the river, because their irrigation and the supply for trade depends on your access to the river, right? Now in the time of Yusuf salam, Yusuf salam, you remember, saw a dream that uh, there's going to be, or, or interpreted a dream, that there are going to be seven years where things will be fine, but another seven years where the river will dry up, there's not going to be any water, and the, the, the crop is going to die. He was, he was serving under one of the kings, not all of the pharaohs, one of the kings, among that like you know group of kings. So that kingdom now has an advantage. What advantage do they have? They know that a drought is coming. So they actually developed a canal to preserve water over the next few years, so when the water dried up, the river dried up, they were the only empire of the several empires that actually still had a water supply. And so their crop continued to grow. And they continued to have some prosperity. In the time where everybody else was basically bankrupt. And now, in the olden days, people when they, now they, they don't have any crop, and none of the other kingdoms have any crop, so obviously where are they gonna come for crop? They're gonna come here. But they don't have anything to sell anymore because they've gone bankrupt. And so in the olden days, the way you sold, the way you got food or commodities was actually by giving away yourself or your children into slavery. Or giving up part of your land. Actually in old tradition, in traditions, when the family is gonna be given a year's worth of rice, they have to give their child away and they're gonna serve in the field in some other buddy's, somebody else's farm. Like giving away family or people as slaves was actually a common economic practice. It is through this course of action that over time this one empire overpowered and overshadowed and eventually completely overtook all the other empires that existed and became the one supreme empire. Everybody, everything came under them. This is important to note because they then especially controlled the water supply. They, they controlled, now they had the money that nobody else had so they built like nobody else did. And they had pasture, meaning they had the greenery that nobody else had. Now with that in mind, if you look at these ayat, are you more intense a creation or is the sky? First of all, is referring to the human beings. Are you more powerful? Are you harder to create than the sky was? He's the one who built the sky. In other words, how dare you question resurrection when Allah has that power? But from the other point of view, are you better at creating whatever you've created? And you Quraysh are like the pharaohs, but you are nothing compared to the pharaohs in construction. As a matter of fact, the construction of the pharaohs is so impressive that it's still today on the dollar bill, right? It's, it's timeless. It's the symbol of stable empire. 
You know, and I, I, I refer to this over and over, Greek columns, Persian columns, different societies, ancient society, even the columns that are built in the, in the, in the, you know, in the, in some of the government offices in DC, their inspiration is actually the columns of the Egyptians. The architectural inspiration is actually the Egyptian columns that were built in ancient times. And Allah then is almost referring to that and saying, are you better at creating things? Or is, is the sky a more marvelous creation than that? Under, under its canopy, you built all of these things. He's the one who built the sky, Banaha. And the word Bana, as opposed to Khalaqa, is actually a good reference. He built it, he constructed it. So the notion of construction is being highlighted anyway in the wording of the ayah. رَفَعَ سَمْكَهَا فَسَوَّهَا He elevated its roof. And by the way, the columns were un- inhumanely high. Like they were unusually high. You know nowadays when you go to a, like a fancy home, it's like high ceiling, it just gives you this grand view, grand, grand feeling, right? Or um, if you look at some of the interesting architecture, like one of my favorite places to architecturally, uh, interiors is like Grand Central Station in New York, right? You look up and they've created this like skyscape and it's really high ceiling, etc. Right? If you visit ancient palaces and things, they made un- enormously high ceilings. And oftentimes when they would have high ceilings, they would actually draw on them stars or constellations or clouds to give the feeling as though we have built a sky of our own. We've built a sky of our own. Right? So that's this, this, this fascination of human beings of building their own sky. And so that's being built upon here in the language used by Allah. رَفَعَ سَمْكَهَا فَسَوَّهَا Samk in Arabic, الْقَامَةُ وَالْعُلُو Something that stands tall and something that's very high. وَالتَّسْوِيَ فِي اللُّغَةِ استقامة وَاعْتِدَالُ And evening it out in Arabic, the word taswiyah actually means something that stands tall, something that's stable. In other words, it's the higher up you build a, a, a ceiling, the more unstable it gets, the more support columns and beams it needs. You know, if you have something that's very large and it's standing free, you need more columns to hold it up. It can't just, because it'll cave in on the middle, right? Because it's so much freestanding. So he says, he made it balanced, evened, and it doesn't shift. The sky doesn't shift. The elevation of the sky doesn't shift. You know, some people look at this ayah, and I should mention that. Some people look at this ayah and say, look, Allah says He built the sky. But the sky, meaning space, is empty vacuum. It's not built, it's just nothingness. So what's he talking about? This is where we have to understand the Qur'an is not a science textbook. The Qur'an is remarkable language. It's remarkable language. You know, language is, the language of people is different from the language of science. There are two different worlds. If you're really interested in the language of science, which means you enjoy reading a biology textbook, then you're not a normal person. I mean, you're gonna do well in school, but you're not a normal person. Thank God we don't speak in scientific language when we speak with each other, right? When you say to somebody, when somebody's making fun of somebody and say, man, he got burned. Scientifically, no. You understand? But everybody gets it, you got burned. Somebody says, you, you, man, you tore him to pieces. Somebody call the police. You know, or you know, my, my, some grandpa says, my grandkids stole my heart. Grandpa, I'm coming over right now. <laughs> you know, like, they didn't steal your heart. Or man, that, that guy has a heart of stone. These phrases that are unscientific, clearly, 
We use all the time. We use these things all the time. The, the language of science is highly literal. Everything is literally precisely what it is. But the language of humanity is not. It actually draws on images. Like for example, when a husband says to the wife, I've done everything for you. Um, everything? Because everything is a lot of things. You know? Or I've given you everything. So the idea is that when people speak, like for example, man, how beautiful does it look? The sun sinking into the ocean. When you're, when you're on the, the west coast of the United States, you see sunset. You know, in Southern California, you see the sunset, and you see, how beautiful does the sun look sinking into the ocean? Well, technically, it's not sinking into the ocean. It's actually um, just the illusion. Oh, it's dummy. It's sinking into the ocean. Quran will say that, the, you know, Dhul Qarnayn went to a place where the sun was drowning in murky water. And people were like, oh, that's scientifically inaccurate because you can't drown the sun in water. What are you talking about? When a human being sees that, that's a poetic, beautiful image of the sun drowning in water. That's all it's talking about. It's not, what is, it, what is the Quran supposed to do? Tell you how many millions of miles away the sun is? And that this is an optical illusion? Well, would you read that? <laughs> you punch people in the face who talk like that when you hang out with them. We don't talk like science. We talk in normal language. This is normal language. Look at the grand creation of God, the sky, compared to yours. You try to build this, a roof that, you know, by the way, ceilings especially, they crack easily. They crack easily. This is why Allah says, do you see a crack in the sky? That's, that's not to say, well, it's empty space. Obviously, it's not going to have a crack. No, 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 no. Allah is comparing. Look at your inability to create a view that Allah has created. What a flawless view God has created over you. And so our obsession with science has actually made us impose a scientific way of thinking even about the Qur'an. Which is unfair to the book. It's unfair to the book. And it's unrealistic, it's, it's, it's inaccurate. And then we start imposing onto the Qur'an things that shouldn't be imposed. Anyway. Uh, By the way, just, just among the, the notion of the sky, فَمِنَ الْمُفَسِّرِينَ مَنْ تَأَوَّلَهَا هُنَا بِالتَّتْمِيمِ Among the مُفَسِّرُونَ, those who you know, talk about this ayah, about the sky being smooth or evened out, say how perfectly it's made, وَبِالْإِصْلَاحِ and how reformed it is, وَبِجَعْلِهَا مَلْسَاءِ and how smooth it looks. لَيْسَ فِيهَا تَفَاوَتْ It has no unevenness to it. وَبِإِتْقَانِ الْإِنْشَاءِ وَإِحْكَامِ السُّنْعَةِ And how greatly, it's beautifully, it's crafted, how beautiful it's look, it, it is to look at. Anytime you look at the sky, it's a symbol of beauty and, and, and magnificent. This again, I'm telling you, in the context in which this passage occurs, it's not just talking about the sky, it's actually comparing one of the greatest empires that ever existed, and showing how even that fails in comparison to God's creation. How dare you take up a God other than that, other than Allah. وَأَغْطَشَ لَيْلَهَا وَأَخْرَجَ ضُحَاهَا And he brought darkness over its nights. And he brought out its early mornings. This is again, the, the, the reference to night and day shouldn't be lost on us. The, the pharaohs worshipped the sun. And Allah brings the sun to a close, close shop every night. And then brings out the morning the next day. Meaning their God submits to Allah. وَأَغْتَشَ لَيْلَهَا إِغْتَاشُ اللَّيْلِ إِظْلَامُهُ أَغْتَشَ means to cause darkness. فُلَاتٌ غَدْشَا وَغَشَا لَا يُهْتَدَى بِهَا A desert that is غَدْشَا means a desert that is completely covered in darkness and you can't find your way. Interestingly enough, أَغْتَشَ غَطَشَ it also compares to غَمَشْ 
meaning in the eye becoming weak. When somebody walks slowly because they can barely see. In other words, Allah calls the night to slow everything down and visibility to become less. He did that. And the next morning he brought out its brilliant light. He made everything completely and perfectly visible. I'll show you some of the benefits of this a little bit later on when we talk about the literary qualities of this surah. Uh, so, Ikhrajul Duha. Imbisatu shams. So bringing out the sun, you know, akhraja duhaha, duha in Arabic, or duha is when things are most prominent, meaning like when the sun is at its brightest, like 10, 11, 12 a.m. at that time, when the sun is beaming at its brightest, that's duha. So Allah is comparing those two contrasts of the night and the day. This is to, to highlight, you know, how no matter how build, how grand your columns were built, you know, you can't escape. And how beautifully illuminated they look in the day. They're gonna be closed down and dark in the night. And the earth thereafter, he made it, he made it smooth. Now, the word daha is a unique word, very rarely, maybe not even elsewhere used in the Quran, except here. Uh, and what does it mean? Daha actually means, I'll, I'll skip the Arabic etymology, just tell you what it means. It's actually used for when an ostrich, uh, scrapes the ground and makes the, the soil smooth so it can put its egg there. Because it doesn't bury its egg entirely, it just makes the ground kind of smooth and so it can put it there, like in a concave shape. Uh, and that's why that place is called a madha. Uh, and from it, daha is also used for an egg. Because it's the place of the, but it's not literally the egg actually. That's a bayd. But daha is the place where the egg is placed. So again, people who are very obsessed with showing a correlation between Islam and science, they looked at this ayah and said, Aha, Allah made the earth egg-like. And therefore, the earth is oval and it's not a perfect sphere. And the proof of that is in the Qur'an, وَالْأَرْضَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ دَحَاهَا Except the one problem with that is the verb daha means to remove unevenness. And to make room for an egg, it doesn't mean he made it into an egg. That's not how the verb was ever used. So there's this huge jump made because the root somewhere in there involves an ostrich egg that we turned this into the earth is egg-like. Uh, the earth is oval, that's awesome. It doesn't have to be mentioned in the Qur'an though. Let's not impose on the Qur'an what Allah did not say Himself. And when you do that, and then other people prove otherwise, it just makes the Qur'an look weak, even though the only thing weak was our understanding, you know? So we should be careful about making claims like that. And so, To make something smooth and even. What Allah is saying is, on the earth, He removed unevenness. You saw previously, uh, didn't we make the earth a comfortable bedding? Right? Allah is describing that the earth could have been a jagged surface where you can't walk. And the, the Arabs are actually familiar with this. There are ter terrains that are so difficult to walk, or difficult to, even, even animals don't go there. And the entire earth's surface could have been that way. But Allah made it smooth and removed the, the impediments on the earth so we can travel on this earth. And that's why they use the word for even construction. Like you know if, they, if they're going to build a road and there are lots of pebbles on the road and stuff, they'll have bulldozers come and sweep and, and smooth the thing out before they build the road on top. That's actually the process of daha. 
That's what the word refers to. Meaning the land is ready for civilization, basically. And this is again going back to the idea that the great civilizations were only great civilizations because they built roads. If you don't have roads, you're not going to have civilizations. Because commerce will take place only through the roads. If everything is wild territory, then commerce will not happen and therefore growth will not take place. Right? One of the greatest assets of the United States is our incredible highway system. Right, it's a remarkable roadway system that connects all of the states together and allows for the kind of commerce that happens across the states. Right, And so the, the, the countries in which the roadways, one, aren't safe, two, aren't well built. Right, It affects economy. It affects everything. You know, So when he says, He basically, almost like he's saying, he made the world, po for, a world possible to travel by making it smooth. Why is that important? Because when those great civilizations and empires, and even the Arabs, because the routes went through Mecca, when they claim that they are at an advantageous position, Allah is saying, the very fact that you have these roads wouldn't have been possible if Allah did not smooth the earth for you to begin with. And He brought out from it its water. And he brought out from it its green pasture. Do you see a connection to the Pharaoh's empire background story that I told you? He brought out the water and the pasture, the greenery. That which was basically the, 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 the heart and soul of the economy of that great empire. The reason they rose to power. And he placed the mountains and he put them down. He placed the mountains down. And by the way, what is a great architectural marvel of the ancient Egyptians that resembles a mountain. The pyramids. And he says, what are your pyramids compared to my mountains? And he didn't make one, he has plenty. And he put those there, and he put all of that in place as a thing for all of you to enjoy, for all of you to take advantage of, but not just you, your animals too. And I'd like you to understand here, when Allah says, you and your animals, it's, it's significant. Why, why is it mentioning you and your animals? Everything Allah mentioned so far, from the sky, if we go back, the sky, then the, the night and day, then the earth being smooth, then water and pasture, and now finally the mountains. All, all of this is things for you know we and our animals to enjoy. Some animals, their pasture, what they eat, what they graze on, what they feed on is only found in the mountains. It's only found in the mountains. Some minerals, some resources, some construction materials that we need are only found in the mountains. If the night and day weren't the succession that they are, agriculture would stop. If the water didn't come out of the earth the way it does, we wouldn't have the rivers and the waterways that are necessary for, for crop to exist. So there, this entire system was put in place for Allah Azza wa to facilitate life on this earth. But the, now the significance of you and your animals. Of course, in, especially in ancient society and even today, without animals, human beings can't survive. We are actually dependent on animals. Not just for food, but for skin, and, and for skin, but for the, the, uh, the agricultural value that they have around the world. Without them, without animals, we're not, we don't survive in this world. It doesn't happen. But the other thing is, when he puts us together, we are masters over our animals. Listen to this carefully. We are masters over our sheep and our, our goats and our cows and our horses. They do our work. They exhaust themselves for us. And when they are no good anymore, what do we do with them? We slaughter them and take their meat and their skin or whatever, and we just get rid of them. 
Right, that's what we do. And our animals are literally domesticated, musakhar, humbled, mudallal. They, they have been humiliated and domesticated. They live in the housing we give them. They eat what we feed them. They have no independence. They are literally enslaved to our service. That's what these animals are. Enslaved to our service and loyal to their masters. They listen to the, the, the farmer yell and scream. And they stop and they move. They get whipped. They get, pulled, they, they get their reins pulled. This is what the animals are. And then Allah puts them and us in the same sentence. Mata'allakum waliyan'amikum as if to say what your animals are to you, you are to me. You are to me no different than your cattle. I feed you like I feed them. <laughs> this is actually a humility check from Allah. Uh, just previously Allah mentioned one of the most arrogant human beings that ever lived that looked at other people like animals. Remember? فَحَشَرَ فَنَادَى Now Allah is putting us all in check. You're all mahshur to me. You're all provided for like animals are provided for. This is actually a, a running theme in Mecca and Quran. Look at your animals and then think about who Allah is to you. You are rub over your animal, Allah is rub over you. This, this is the, the mentality, subhanAllah. And the way the, the, the animal never disobeys you. And what do you do with your animal when he disobeys you? And what should Allah do when you disobey him? <laughs> you know? So, mata'allakum wali an'amikum. A utility and a means to enjoy for you and for your animals. Mata'a can be used for food, it can also be used for something to enjoy. And mata'a, uh, by its definition, can also be something that is temporary. Muta'a is temporary enjoyment. So something that you have for a while, but it's not going to last forever. And why isn't it going to last forever? Let's transition from there to فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الطَّامَّةُ الْكُبْرَى This is now, we're, we're nearing the end of the, of the surah. This is the fifth section of the surah in my account. When finally, الطَّامَّةُ الْكُبْرَى hits. What is الطَّامَّةُ الْكُبْرَى? طَمْ in Arabic, the verb. طَمَّ الْبَحْرُ أَيْ طَغَى وَفَاضَى وَغَلَبَى Tamma in Arabic is when the ocean has a tsunami. That's tam. A great calamity, a massive disturbance that destroys. Allah says, فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الطَّامَّةُ الْكُبْرَى Meaning when the calamity that is going to wreck everything arrives. The greatest calamity that's ever, go, that's ever happened and the greatest disturbance that's ever happened arrives. By the way, when water comes out like that, what happens to animals? What do they do? You actually see animals run way before the water even comes. They can sense the shivering of the earth. The right, the words right before were an'amikum, cattle that take it easy. From nu'uma, soft movement. But now a tamma is coming. All of a sudden a disturbance is coming. فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الطَّامَّةُ الْكُبْرَى And that is the day. يَوْمَ يَتَذَكَّرُ الْإِنسَانُ And by the way, إِذَا, I should have mentioned this. إِذَا in Arabic means all of a sudden. It doesn't just mean when. It means when all of a sudden, this great calamity arrives. This is the, the mubaghata of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the suddenness of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Yawm yatadhakkaru al-insanu ma sa'a. The day on which every human being will thoroughly remember. Al-insan is so amazing. It means human being, but insan can also be argued to come from nisyan. Meaning forgetfulness. So the, the, the actual word for human being in Arabic is close to forgetful creature. It's close to the meaning of forgetful creature. The day on which the forgetful creature will thoroughly remember, will have full memory. 
Ma sa'a. Ma sa'a is ma mausula or ma masliriya. Let's not get into that discussion, but I'll just say it's more closer to ma masliriya, which means in simple English, the day on which a human being will thoroughly recall all of his efforts. Every effort that was made. What were you running for? What were you running towards? What was keeping you occupied? You know, every human being has priorities. All of you, every single one of us, including myself, have priorities of when we're gonna wake up, when we're gonna go sleep, and what's gonna happen in between. Whether your priority is to finish season 3 and start season 4 on Netflix. Whether your priority is to beat that video game and finish all of the side missions. Or whether your priority is, you know, work related, business related, deal related, car related. Whether your priority is girl related, guy related, social media related, hangout related. You know, am I going to get the tickets for that concert or what? Whatever it may be, you, there are priorities, things you run towards, things that are preoccupying you, things that are keeping you busy. Some of those are serious tasks. Some of those are just you running after entertainment or pleasure. Whatever they are, every one of them will be completely recalled. You're, you're going to remember what it was that was keeping you occupied. You know, there's a, you know, there's a scene that ha- takes place in the world every single day. A mother begs her son, Beta namaz ka time ho gaya, parlo. Son, it's Salat time, just pray. Salli. Hana waqt al-Maghrib. You know, it's time for prayer, just pray. Well, I don't have time right now, Mama. Just, just, just a couple minutes. Running towards something else. You know? And then that day he'll remember, Oh my God, what was I running towards? What efforts was I making? Where was I wasting all my efforts? الَّذِينَ ضَلَّ سَعْيُهُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا Those whose efforts were lost, completely put in vain, Lost in stuff that, that's left behind in worldly life. You know, وَهُمْ يَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ يُحْسِنُونَ صُنْعَةً While at the same time they're delusional that they've done something awesome. They haven't. That day human beings will remember everything, every effort that they made. Like Allah says, يَوْمَ يَبْعَثُهُمُ اللَّهُ جَمِيعًا فَيُنَبِّئُهُمْ بِمَا عَمِلُوا أَحْصَاهُ اللَّهُ وَنَسُوهُ The day on which Allah will resurrect all of them all together, He will inform them very detailed all the things that they used to do that Allah recorded in its entirety and perfectly while they had forgotten the stuff that they did. Literally Allah will say, you did this. You're like, really? I did that? I said that? No. You guys even do that now. Forget Yom Al-Qiyamah. Your mom will tell you, your dad will tell your friends, you know what you said to me the other day? You said this is like, no, I would never. I'm not that kind of person. I recorded it for you here. <laughs> wow, I can't believe I did that. There's going to be a lot of, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that moments on Yom Al-Qiyamah. We do things that we forget. Are, they're no big deal to us. They're, we just move on. But that day, everything will be thoroughly recalled. recalled. May Allah Azza wa make us of those that are forgiven after remembering the efforts that we made. Human beings will have nothing to their advantage on Judgment Day except what they ran towards. Literally what they ran towards. Hey guys, you just watched a small clip of me explaining the Qur'an in depth as part of the Deeper Look series. Studying the Qur'an in depth can seem like a really intimidating thing that's only meant for scholars. Our job at Bayyana is to make deeper study of the Qur'an accessible and easy for all of you. So take us up on that challenge. Join us for this study, the deeper look of the Qur'an for this surah and many other surahs on BayyanaTV.com under the Deeper Look section.